0: very well it's very familiar scripture and we'll read that together verses 5 and 6 say this trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths Be not wise in your own eyes. My title of my uh, sermon this morning is Graduation Day. It's not just a sermon uh, that's uh, aimed at our graduates, but it's aimed at all of us, because we're all graduating from something in life. We're all headed somewhere. We all still have lessons to learn. We all have a lot going on. Um, Over the course of the next few weeks, there'll be commencement uh, speeches, there'll be Um, speakers at graduations who will come and I can guarantee you that some of those speakers will use some of these phrases that I'll share with you this morning Um, it doesn't matter that your dream came true if you spent your whole life sleeping that's from Jerry Zucker Will Rogers said even if you are on the right track you will get run over if you just sit there this, uh, fra- this phrase is attributed to um, Benjamin Franklin, but I don't think that's accurate. It says, you will find the key to success under the alarm clock. I don't know that they had alarm clocks in Benjamin Franklin's day. Um, and Arnold Schwarzenegger said this, you can't climb the ladder of success with your hands in your pockets. I guarantee you that over the course of the next few weeks, there will be, a valedictorian, salutatorian, or a commencement speaker on a college university who will use one of those phrases, who will give great advice. If I were to ask you in this room this morning, what advice would you give to graduates or to, uh, to people, to our high school graduates or college graduates, um, I, I wonder what some of that advice might be. Some of you might uh, advise them to, to go back and to try to get back in and stay a little bit longer. Uh, life, is, uh, life outside of school is completely different, and it's, uh, it, it's a shock to your system sometimes. But um, here in these verses, we have the insight. In Proverbs chapter 3, God gives us insight here. The wisest man, we're told the wisest man who ever lived was King Solomon. And in these in, in scriptures here, he gives great instruction. Now, Proverbs chapter 3 is written to Solomon's son, probably his son named Rehoboam. And he's writing this, and he's giving him instruction for the rest of his life. And he's giving him instruction as to how to live a life that is pleasing to God. Now, the message of Proverbs 3 is, uh, here's, uh, there's a couple of things here. First of all, it speaks to our innermost being. It speaks to our heart. It speaks to the seat of our emotions. We can have a whole lot of head knowledge about God, about the Bible, about different matters of religion and theology. We can have a whole lot of head knowledge and it not be adequate to motivate us to walk in God's will for our lives. Head knowledge is not enough. We've also got to have the heart knowledge that goes along with it. In verses 3 and 4, just before this, Solomon had said these words also to his son. He said, Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablets of your heart, so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. He's saying here, it's one thing for you to know God's law, It's one thing for you to bind it around your neck. It's one thing for you to have it written and where you can see it. But what's more important is for you to let it affect your heart and how you live every day. So let's look here at some life lessons we can gain from these verses here and talk about for just a few minutes, talk about what Solomon is trying to impart not only to his son, but what God has allowed us to know and understand here this morning. In the second part of verse number 5, he gives him this advice. Lean not on your own understanding. Now, the first point I want to make this morning is what I thought I knew the day I graduated. What I thought I knew the day I graduated. You want me to sum it up in one word? everything. I thought I knew everything. When they handed me that diploma, and I walked across that stage, and I went back to my seat, if you, I I thought I knew everything there was to know about life right there at that point at 18 years old. I was so full of myself and so arrogant and so full of pride, and I, I, I remember walking out of there and thinking, well, life is good. And, and I'm just going to enjoy it. Now, if you had asked me after my high school graduation, graduation Michael, what will your life be like 30 years from now? If you have asked that 18-year-old boy, what will your life be like 30, 30 years from now? My answer would have looked nothing like the life that I'm living today. I would have told you uh, that my life would have still been, I was voted two things in high school. I was voted most mischievous and most carefree. Those were the two honors that were disposed. I, I did get a school spirit award at graduation, but those were the two distinct honors that I remember. If I would stood here before the congregation and they'd have asked me, what is your greatest accomplishment, mine would have been most mischievous and most carefree. Um, but if you'd have asked me there that evening at, at, at the gym at the high school, I would have said my life will pretty much be the same 30 years from now. I still won't have any worries. I still won't have any cares. I won't have a wife. I won't have any kids. My life will be about my time and my way and how I want to do it. Whoa, didn't turn out that way, did it? Not at all. My life is completely different today than what I would have told you that it would have been there at at that moment. And here's what happened to me. I completely leaned on my own understanding. And in doing so, I I realized now looking back, I had no understanding about how the world worked and what life was about and and how things were going to be. I had so many people who tried to give me advice and give me counsel along the way. I had people who would sit down and give me personal advice. I had people who would sit down and, uh, and talk to me about the Lord and give me spiritual advice, and I didn't listen to any of it. I had my mind made up. I had my way set, and that was how it was going to be, and that was what I was going to do. And because of that, because I leaned on my own understanding, and I didn't take wise counsel from other people, I missed out on a lot of opportunities. I had an opportunity to go away to school. I had an opportunity to go away. I had a job on campus. And a place to live on campus, um, and and I, I I I never even went home and told my parents about the offer that had been given to me. Um, I had I can remember a professor uh, that I had in college. I had him for a couple of classes, and he asked me to stay with him after a class one day, and he offered to uh, he talked to me about going into uh, and and getting my master's. And uh, after I graduated and, and doing, he said, I know you're in the ministry, but he said, if you get your master's in this area, uh, you could do adjunct teaching also. And, and I, I listened and he told me about the, the schedule that I would take and all these things. And I thought about it for just a little while and I thought that will just take up too much time and, and too much. And, and I, didn't, I didn't listen even there as a, as a Christian. I gave up an opportunity because I didn't listen to wise counsel. Um, So Solomon is here saying to his son, there's wise people around you. Don't lean on your own understanding. If you know wise and godly people, listen to what they have to say. These things just didn't affect my personal life, but they affected my spiritual life just as well. Because here's what I convinced myself of. As a, after I got out of high school and I wasn't accountable to go to church anymore and I didn't have uh, those things, I convinced myself that I knew enough about God and His Word that someday I'd get around back to that. And I, after I did everything I wanted to do and after I lived life the way I wanted to live it and after I did all the things that I wanted to do and how I wanted to do them, Then I'll come back someday. I know enough about God and his word. I'll come back and I'll make things right with him later. But here's what happened as a result of that. The longer that I waited and the more that I put that off, the more hard my heart became. The more hard my heart became toward the gospel and toward the things of God. And here's what I came to do. I accepted the lie that the devil began to tell me somewhere after high school. I accepted this lie that he told me that there was no way that I could possibly change and that I was who I, you are who you are and there's nothing you can do about it so you might as well just live your life. Now Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 contrast our understanding. It contrasts what we have here in our head and it it takes and he begins there with what we have in our head, the knowledge that we have in our head. And then he contrasts it and he says, think about the Lord in all your ways. He says, take what you have here in your head and think about it in every situation that you're in and apply that to your heart and put it in your heart and let it change who you are. We can know a lot, But it's meaningless if it doesn't move to our heart. So God's word will convict us and will show us where we need to be spiritually. The writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 4.12 says this about God's word and how it should affect our lives. He said, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. In other words, he's saying that God's word is alive. And when we hear God's word, it takes the knowledge that we have in our heads, that we hear there, and it is alive and it is active, and it will cut into our heart, and it, God wants to put that word into our heart, and let that word change our lives As we live for him. So if you'd have asked me that night. What do you know? I would have said I know everything. But here's what I really knew. I knew nothing. I didn't know anything about life. Or about how things were going to work. I didn't know any. I, I I knew some Bible stories. But I had never let the word of God. Completely enter my heart. Instead of my head. And as a result of that. What I thought I knew was really, it wasn't worth anything. But here's what I learned along the way. I learned along the way that the first part of verse number five is the most important thing. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Now, here's what I want to tell you. If you graduated from high school, if you graduated from um, from college, I know I, I didn't mention Allison just graduated with your second master's, first master's, all right, while raising while two children and having one on the way, that's quite an accomplishment. Um, so we, we know that um, school school never ends. That's what I didn't know the night that I graduated. What I didn't really know was that, that school never never stops. Every life is a school. Life is an education, and every single day we have the opportunity to learn something, to grow in something, each and every day, we never stop learning. And some of those lessons are hard, some of those lessons change our lives, but here's some of the lessons that I learned along the way. First of all is this one. How many of you, when you were a child, ever said these words to a parent or a grandparent? Well, that's not You ever say those words? That's not fair. What were the words that were said back to you? Life's not fair. That's one of the first things that I ever learned is this. Life is not fair. Paul addresses this in 2 Corinthians 4. He addresses that sometimes in life we're going to fail. One of the biggest things about successful people in this life is the fact that they failed a whole lot. Paul says that when we fail and when life isn't fair, he gives the, this advice to us in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in verse number 7. He says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair but life in you. If you just graduated, here's something I want to tell you. You're going to fail somewhere along the way. Somewhere along the way, you're going to have a failure, and I, I want you to understand this. Don't be afraid of it. Take the risk anyway. Don't When you see something that, that, that makes you fearful, go and face that fear and overcome it. Let me share some, some failures with you. Vincent Van Gogh Failed as an art dealer. He flunked his entrance exam to theology school and he was fired by the church after an ill-fated attempt at missionary work. In fact, during his life, he seldom experienced anything other than failure as an artist. Today, a single painting by Van Gogh will sell for over $100 million. Think about that. One painting. But in his lifetime, Van Gogh only sold one painting four months before his death. Before developing his theory of relativity, Albert Einstein encountered academic failure. One headmaster expelled Einstein from school, and another teacher predicted that he would never amount to anything. Einstein even failed his entrance exam into college. Prior to dazzling the world with his athletic skill, Michael Jordan was cut from his sophomore basketball team Even though he captured six NBA championships, would have had eight if he hadn't played baseball for two years during his professional career, he missed over 12,000 shots, lost nearly 400 games, and failed to make more than 25 game-winning baskets. But here's the thing. Failure didn't stop Van Gogh from painting. It didn't stop Einstein from theorizing or Michael Jordan from playing basketball. But fear has paralyzed so many leaders and prevented them from reaching their potential. Don't let fear stop you from what it is you want to do and what you want to accomplish. So life isn't fair. You're going to fail every now and then. And here's another lesson that I learned. Leadership is hard. Leadership is one of the most difficult things that you'll ever be a part of. Galatians 6 verse 9 says this, Let us not become weary in well-doing, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Some of the people that were standing here, some of the people who stood up, some of you who are sitting there and you've been graduated for a long time, God has called you to be a leader. God has called you to be in a leadership position and to do things. Let me tell you what's going to happen as a leader. It's hard. It's difficult. If you lead and nobody ever gets mad at you, guess what you're doing? Nothing. If you lead and nobody ever gets upset with you or mad at you, you're doing nothing. I had a boss when I was working at Federal Mogul, and he was a mid-level manager. And he was young, he was good-looking. He, he was the quarterback on his college football team. When he walked into the room, with everybody, everybody was drawn to him. He was just that kind of guy. And he was one of the best bosses that you could ever have worked for. Um, and he just had this way of accomplishing things and getting things done and, and making things happen. Well, as it always happens, when you work in a facility like that and you have somebody who's a real good manager, what happens to them? They get moved to somewhere else, to a bigger and better position, and they they move away, but as chance would have it, this manager came back a couple of years later, and he came back to a very difficult situation in our facility. Our costs were over. We were we we had uh, just we were in a really bad situation financially, and he came back at a time, and he had to do something. That was the most unpopular thing that I ever witnessed anybody have to do. He came back and he had to cut the pay of our whole facility across the board. I knew I lost. I had just bought a house. And the pay cut that I took was just what my house payment would be every month. I was angry, I was bitter, I was just I was so upset. And every time I saw this guy that I used to think was so wonderful and I used to think was such a great guy, I would think there's the guy that has caused me all this anxiety and stress and worry and there's the guy that's going to cause me to have to go out and get a second job so that I can pay my mortgage that I just uh, have gotten into. And I I was angry and bitter at him. Now here's what I realized many years down the road since then if he hadn't came back there and he hadn't have made cuts that he made at that time, we would have ceased to exist as a facility. About It would have closed about 22 years ago. And so now when I think about him and I think about what he had to do and I think about the difficult task that he had and knowing that everybody there was angry with him and knowing that every time his phone dinged, he was wondering if this text message is going to be as nasty as the last text message that I got, or every time his phone rang, he was wondering if this phone call is going to be as ugly as the last phone call that I just got, or this email is going to call me a name that I didn't get called in the last email. And but here's what I here's what I realized: he, as a leader, made a decision that saved about oh, probably about 300 people's jobs. And now I'd like to go back. I don't know where he is now, but I'd like to find him and say, thank you. I was able, yeah, it was a struggle, and it was hard, and it was difficult, but I made it. So as I learned that leadership is hard, and some of you who are sitting here this morning, and you're in leadership positions, you've been put in those hard places, and you know that. So I learned that life isn't fair and that leadership is hard, and here's another thing. I learned that I constantly have to look in the mirror and evaluate life. James chapter one verse twenty-two and through twenty-four. James says this. I had it marked, and somebody has taken James out of my Bible. Y'all are all sitting there thinking, "Look at seminary boy; can't find James." It's in the New Testament. There we are, page one thousand eleven. James says this in James chapter one verse twenty-two to twenty-four. He says, "But be doers of the word." he will be blessed in his doing. Sometimes we have to look in the mirror. The mirror tells us the truth. How many of you have ever stood in the morning and you've looked in the mirror and you said, tomorrow I'm going to get up and I'm going to start walking and I'm going to eat different and I'm going to do these things and I'm going and you're looking at yourself in the mirror and you're just totally disgusted with who you see and you think, I'm going to change and then about the time you walk away from the mirror about a minute later, you decide, I, you know, I, I can't see myself in the mirror anymore, so I'm, I'm okay with it. And you convince me, as long as I don't look in the mirror every morning, I'll be fine. Here's, here's what Here's what we have to do. Every now and then, we have to look in the mirror spiritually, and we have to decide where we are. And we have to decide whether or not we're going to do something about who we are. Sometimes we hear the truth of the Word of God, and do nothing. We can sit here on Sunday mornings or we can sit in Sunday school or wherever you are and you can hear the truth of the Word of God and the Word of God can begin to stir in your heart and begin to motivate and move you but if you don't act on it it hasn't done you any good. You're like that person who looked in the mirror and saw what you needed to do but you walked away from it spiritually the same way that you walk away from it physically. I want to tell you this if you read God's Word sometimes it will offend you and sometimes it will it will drive you to be corrected. So I learned along the way to look in the mirror spiritually and to say, use God's word as a mirror and to say, these are the things that I need to change. But here's what I'm most looking forward to. I want to be at my next graduation. I want to be there at my next graduation with the Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says this, for we do not want you, um, chapter 5, says, so we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please Him. And here's what verse number 10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due, for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Now I have great memories of graduations. I remember my high school graduation and my college graduation. I remember the celebrations. When I graduated high school, my mom had a party for me there at our house after graduation. And all my family was there, and they brought gifts and it was, it was wonderful. I was like, man, this is, this is great. Let's do this again next week. I'll, I'll graduate. I'll, I'll go to obedience school if I can get gifts. And I remember my parents brought, bought me my graduation gift. It was this really nice stereo system. It stood about this tall, and it had speakers about the same height, and it had a turntable, a cassette player, all the things that now – on my phone, this little phone I have over here, do everything that that great big stereo system would do. But I was—I thought I was the grandest thing because I had that great stereo system. I remember my college graduation. Bree turned our garage into a, a little uh, celebration area, and she invited people over, and I got gifts again. And but my gift. Uh, my life had changed so much that I wasn't hip and cool anymore, and I didn't have get a stereo. I got cookware for graduation. And uh, it's come in handy, living with Bree. It's come in real handy. She didn't lie when we got married. She said, I don't cook. She didn't lie. She bought me cookware. But I also think about this. I think about the men who handed me my diplomas. I think about the two men who handed those diplomas to me. I think about Mr. John R. Smith, who handed me my high school diploma. And I think about going across that stage and getting that diploma from a man who at that moment had become my friend. But when I got to high school in the eighth grade, we were anything but had had a friendly relationship. And over the course of those three or four years, Uh, Those first three years especially, I was constantly in trouble. We sat together a lot. We counseled together a lot. I got a lot of whippings. Um, But those last couple of years, he began to reach me in a different way and began to point things out to me and began to show me things differently to the point that when he handed me my diploma that night, we had become friends. As a matter of fact, the first week that I went to work here at the church, as I was setting up my office, Mr. Smith stopped and came in to see me, and he said, I just wanted to make sure it was really true. And he spent about an hour with me, and we had a wonderful conversation. And through the years after that, we had several wonderful conversations and I know that when he passed away, he was proud of who I had become. I remember walking across the stage at Jacksonville State University, and Dr. Meehan handing me my diploma. And Dr. Meehan, I was when I went when I started at Jacksonville State, I was an undeclared major, and for some reason, Dr. Meehan was my advisor. He wasn't the president then; he was in the academic area, and he was my advisor. And he sat down with me a couple of times, and he had conversations with me. And I told him that I just don't really feel like I should be here. My grades in high school weren't that good. And I can remember encouragement that he gave me. And I remember him telling me, Michael, you have a clean slate now. You have a whole, uh, everything is a clean slate. And everything you do from this point on is, is something new. And don't look back at what you've done, but look forward to what you're going to accomplish. Well, here's what I know. There's another graduation that I'm headed to. And it'll be when this life is over. And it's according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10. Every one of us who is a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ. Everyone who has repented and been forgiven of their sins will someday stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Now there's two different places here. In Revelation it describes the great white throne judgment. And that is for people who have rejected Jesus Christ and who have turned away from Christ and who said they refuse to repent of their sins and be forgiven. They will someday go to the great white throne judgment where they will be told that their, their name is not found in the book of life. And from that point, they will be cast into a lake of fire for eternity to be separated from God. But those of us who are Christians, who are followers, will someday be at the judgment seat of Christ. And we will be rewarded for what we have produced as Christians. There, it says here that there will be reward and there will be loss that will affect us for eternity. What it's saying there that as a Christian, how we live every day matters. Every day that we live, how we live and what we do and what we do with the gospel of Jesus Christ matters because someday I've got to stand before Jesus and give an account. I'm grateful for the reward of the two diplomas that I've received in this life. But here's what I know. They're only temporary. Someday, if the, if the world keeps continuing on, generations from now, I'll have great-grandchildren, great-great-grandchildren, and they'll see those diplomas, and they'll take them, and they'll, uh, they, they may throw them away, or they may put them up, and, and they'll be forgotten about. And it won't be that big of an accomplishment to anyone the way it was to me. But what Jesus is talking about here is that uh, what Paul is saying here is that there are rewards for how we live every day that are eternal. They are eternal rewards. And at my next graduation, when I walked across the stage at Jacksonville State, nobody used the phrase magna cum laude or summa cum laude. I was just saying thank you to Lottie that I, I got out. But here's here's what here's here's what I want to I want to leave with you today. At my next graduation, when I stand there before Jesus, here's what I want to hear. Well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. That's all I want to hear. And I want to be able to whatever the Lord bestows on me that day as reward. What the scriptures tell me is is that I will be able to take those and I will be able to lay them back at the feet of Jesus as 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 an offering to Him. As an appreciation for what He has done for me. And the life that He gave me. So this morning what I want to declare to you is this. Every one of us is going to graduate, but school is never going to end. And the the thing that matters most, the thing that matters most is what we do with the Lord Jesus Christ. What we do with him, because that's what matters for eternity. If you're here this morning, And you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. You've heard the words that I've spoken this morning. And already as I am speaking, and you know this is coming to a close, there's a stirring in your heart and there's something that's going on. That is God's Holy Spirit. And what He is saying to you is that you need Jesus Christ. That you need to ask for forgiveness of your sins and say to Jesus, I'm going to repent. I'm going to go in the other direction. I never want to live the way that I was living before. And if you do that this morning, then I can promise you that someday as you stand at the end of this life, you won't stand there at the great white throne judgment knowing that there is no hope for you, but you'll stand there at the judgment seat of Christ and you will know how you'll be rewarded for how you live for Jesus in this life. And you will hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. And it will be worth more than anything that you've ever accomplished in this life. Jubal's going to come and he's going to lead us in a time of invitation, a time of worship, a time of reflection. As he does, I want you to think about looking in the mirror where you are spiritually. Examining yourself and saying, what is God trying to say to me today? You may not be as young as these students who stood here before us this morning. You may not, have, you may not feel like you have that great of an opportunity for that many years left in your life. I'd invite you to go and speak to Jerry Dempsey who gave his life to Christ at 68 years old and allow him to tell you how wonderful it was even then at that late a stage in life and how it's been worth every moment since then. It doesn't matter where you are, what you've done, or who you think you are, God can save you and he can set you free from the burden of sin that you carry this morning. Would you stand with me this morning as we pray? Father, I pray this morning that your Holy Spirit would have complete opportunity today to rule and reign in this place. I pray that we would be reflecting in prayer. And I pray that we would um, pray this morning for those who are here who need to know Christ as their Savior. Father, I pray and I ask this morning that you give us this opportunity Father, if there's one here this morning who needs to come and say I need to follow in Believer's Baptism or some who need to come and say I want to be a part of this fellowship through membership, Father, would you move them this way? Others may just need to come and pray and reflect or pray for these graduates. Father, thank you for everything you do for us in Jesus' name. Amen.